0: Hello, this is Jackson Reddick, and welcome to Time Travel Rock. where today, I'll be diving into one of my favorite all-time bands, the Canadian rock band Rush. You know, growing up as a kid, I my it was my dad's favorite band. I always loved listening to it as well. The more I grew up, the more I really started to listen to their music. I remember going to Pinnacle Bank Arena with my dad for their 40th anniversary tour. It was their final tour they ever did. We went to Pinnacle Bank Arena, went and watched. It was it was awesome. I think I was around. 13 or 14 at the time, so it's been a while, but as the older I've gotten, the more I've listened to their music, the more I've really appreciated the sound and how they tried to do everything, but let's we'll start out a little bit of their history. Originally, the band was made up of Alex and Jeff Jones, and John Rutsey. Jones was soon replaced by Getty Lee, uh, Rutsey was soon then replaced by Neil Pert as they were going on to perform their first ever tour after they made their first album. But before that, Lives in and Lee they grew up together in Toronto, Canada. They were really good buddies all throughout school. They had known one another, and Rutsi was just a, a buddy of theirs that they knew. They actually got the band name Rush off of Rutsi's brother Bill before their second ever performance that they did. But in 1971 was when Rush really got off the ground as the drinking age in Canada was lowered from 21 to 18, which allowed Rush to play in dive bars, allowed them to play in clubs, so it really got their notoriety and their name brand was able to be exposed. Uh, Rush released their first album, which was self-titled Rush, in March of 1974, selling 3,500 copies on the first day of sales. Nothing too crazy, nothing too small, just really getting their name you know, launched. Rush can really thank one person though for their kickstart, Donna Halper, a music director at music director and DJ at WMMS in Cleveland, Ohio. She added in Working Man to her main playlist, and the blue collar themes really resonated with rock fans in Cleveland. It, it struck home with them. They didn't know this Canadian sound. They 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 didn't know anything about the band. They just really could listen to the title of the song, listen to the theme of the song, and say, you know, this is my life from a 8 to 5, 8 to 6, 7 to 5. It was their whole workday. And right now, here is Rush's Working Man. Neil Peart joined the band uh, when he joined the band of Rush he took over as the main lyricist as Geddy Lee held that responsibility when he first burst onto the scene with the band as well but in the lyrics is where you could really hear Neil Peart just take over he had such a vast vocabulary he was a avid reader. When they went on the road that was really what he chose to do he just wanted to sit and read books he was always more of a shy quiet and reserved guy and he stayed that way till his elder years as well as the as the band kept traveling and touring along the way but Rush's second studio album fly by night was a success at first and, and it was it wasn't a a rock hit it wasn't a crazy successful album it was just one that got rushed by they began touring with the rock band kiss actually as the two bands completely different in style kiss went out there with full sets of makeup on put on a crazy show and getty lee has always said that you know people try to just brush kiss off but you know he says that they were one of the most hardworking bands Ever. And they were going to put on a show and give people their money worth every single time they went out there. You know, they had pyrotechnics. They, Like I said earlier, they had amazing makeup. Just something that Rush did not do. Geddy Lee, Neil Peart, and Alex Lives, and they just all went out there with their long hair and sang their deep lyrical songs that people really had to listen to in order to understand. Not like Kiss, they're out there in their big boots and their high heels going crazy with their makeup to classic rock songs. Uh, But for me, a classic song off of Fly By Night is not the title track itself, Fly By Night, even though it is an amazing and great song. The whole album to me just kind of flows together. It's more of just a, you can roll your windows down in the car and just play the whole album and just have a great time. And that's really a lot of Rush's music in my opinion, but the the song that I resonate with the most or the song that I think is the best off of the album, one of their best like hidden gem songs, I would say it would be making memories. Uh, the theme of the song is basically how the future is always brighter than the past. You know, that's, a, that's some of the lyrics in the song actually actually do say that, but it's also about enjoying the moments on the way. As Peart writes, one of the lyrics is, we feel no need to worry, no reason to be sad. Our memories remind us, maybe road life's not so bad. And it's, it's hard for me to say that without trying to sing it in Geddy Lee's super high voice that I, I do when, when I'm driving, but I can't get up as high as Getty Lee does, as he has such a, a voice that goes up and up and up. But the song is just, it's so good. It is so easy to listen to. And this is Rush's Making Memories.
1: So we just keep smiling, we on with every day
0: As for Rush's third studio album, After Fly By Night, their their third album, Caress of Steel, released in 1975, was definitely not one of the more successful albums that a rock band has released. Uh, There were songs on there, The Necromancer and The Fountain of Lamnith that were 12 minutes and 20 minutes in length. It was more of Neil Peart's storytelling aspects and more just, Diving into lyrics rather than just classic rock roots, which the band themselves They really liked it and they really enjoyed it and there were definitely at times where Getty Lee was like, you know I didn't really know what I was singing or up there, but it was still fun to do and But the ultimate outlier is the record company and fans didn't really see it that way uh, The record company was not happy. They basically gave rush one more chance and with that chance, they told them they needed to make more songs for radio. And that just was not Rush's style. And Getty Lee, Neil Peart, and Alex Liveson, they came together and said, well, well, screw that. We're not going to make songs for the radio. We're not going to make something for the record company. They didn't care. And they just wanted to make something that would make themselves proud. And on a documentary film that was, that's now on Amazon Prime, I believe, during that film, or they go through it, and they talk about that time, and they are like, you know, if we go down, we want to go down in flames. We don't want to go down bowing our heads out, trying to make things that are just going to please people. They wanted to make music that they really enjoyed. And they came out, and they made 2112. And they thought making 2112, they didn't think it would be a very successful album, but it ended up being the album that saved them. As in 1976, it was released... First song on the album almost 21 minutes long 2112 the overture the sem- the temples of Syrinx, discovery presentation oracle soliloquy and the grand finale all in one giant medley together it is a wonderful song if you listen all the way through it is a, a journey in its own a passage to bangkok a fan favorite that is on that album as well there's great songs on that album lessons is one of my one of my more favorite Rush songs as well. It kind of has the same vibes as Making Memories, some more of acoustic guitar instead of electric guitar. But that album definitely saved the band. It was one of the... It was the album that kept them in the spotlight. It kept them them going. Uh, As next for the band was A Farewell to Kings in 1977. That album was definitely... For them, Farewell the Kings and their next album, Hemispheres, in 1978, those two albums took the biggest toll on the band as they were just constantly in the studio. One of their more classic songs on Farewell the Kings, Closer to the Heart, one of the best songs, classic acoustic guitar at the very beginning, just really amazing playing by Alex Liveson, And the lyrics to that song are just really good as well if you listen to it all the way through just a wonderful song. And at 251, uh, one of their shortest songs, but it is one of their best. But you get to Hemispheres, and the end of Farewell to Kings, it's Cygnus X1, book one, The Voyage. It's a 10-minute song. And the very beginning of Hemispheres is Cygnus X1, book two, Hemispheres. And that song is 18 minutes and four seconds. They go next on the second track of the album, Circumstances. And Getty Lee has the versatility to go from hammering out lyrics in English to then sneaking in a little bit of French in the chorus. They go through it a couple times, but he goes through in French just automatically, and he just the lyric or the the singer that he was and the bass- bass guitar player that he was to just seamlessly go through that absolutely amazing but the most memorable song from that album, La via Strangiato, as many if you ask any. Rock and roll guitar players, you know, famous guitar players that are in bands. I'm sure at one point at one time as they were growing up, they tried to play this song. Nine minutes and thirty-four seconds in length, all instrumental, no singing whatsoever. It is just the bass guitar playing by Getty Lee, the lead guitar by Alex Liveson and the drums from Neil Peart. It is just one of the most fascinating songs to listen to all the way through. They tried to record it all at one time. They really, really tried. Couldn't do it eventually, just the mental toll that it took. They just couldn't do it, so they they chopped it up into three bits. And they seamlessly made the three bits go all the way together. It's basically one long story that they tell with the instruments. It's really powerful, really, really good song. And with this, it is Rush's La Via Strangiato. With Rush, they took two years off or a year off after Hemispheres and A Farewell to Kings not releasing any music in 1979. The band knew that Hemispheres and A Farewell to Kings took a little bit off of them. They knew that they were losing steam almost. The two concept albums just took a little bit off of them. They had families they needed to take care of. They had things in their life that were more important to them than to cranking out music every single year. They came back with Permanent Waves in 1980. An album with six songs on it but one of their most popular songs, the title track, The Spirit of the Radio, and Alex Livesen just kills it at the very beginning, the guitar solo at the beginning of that song, wonderful. Turn the radio up as loud as you can and just bang out that beginning guitar solo. It is beautiful. But there's some more subliminal messaging inside of the song. Uh, Neil Peart, you know, a little bit of just subtle jabs at, you know, the political system and just politics in general. Uh, He says, one likes to believe in the freedom of music, but glittering prizes and endless compromises shatter the illusion of integrity. Just the writing that Neil Peart used, uh, and this is rock and roll. You know, this is, uh, I mean, rock and roll does not have, I mean, yes, there were, there were bands that were making music, you know, around the Vietnam War, protesting and things like that. But this is like deep thought Benil Neil He's just such an amazing lyricist and such an amazing writer that it, it really, it was crazy, the stuff that he could come up with. But now you get to listen to it on your own. This is Rush's Spirit of the Radio. And now comes where I talk about the band's probably most popular album as of date, "Be Moving Pictures, made in 1981, as in 2022, actually. They've gone back on Spotify and on Apple Music. You can now hear the 40th anniversary of this album. They remastered it. They've released uh, songs that have performed live, not just on that album, but of other albums as well, probably their greatest hits on that. It's really fun to just listen to that. But moving pictures in itself, in of itself, is where Rush really was at the pinnacle of their music careers. Uh, You know, I'll I'll save one song on there to play at the very end of this segment. But and you probably already know what song I'm talking about. uh, But there's some really really good songs in there. Red Barchetta. That is a really good song. Probably their most popular song besides the one I'm about to play in a little bit uh, limelight such a such an amazing amazing song everything in there the vocals to the bass and the guitar and the drum just such an amazing song but as i've been you know precursing to this tom sawyer is 100% when you hear that song you think about rush and i mean and whenever you think about rush you think about tom sawyer it is Definitely their most popular song. I'm sure it's probably overplayed by this point. Some people maybe think that, but it is one of those songs where every time it's on the radio, you have to crank it up as high as you can and just jam out. And it is, my favorite is the music video for this song was filmed in like a cabin somewhere in the for, in like the woods. You can tell it was snowy uh, and they were just jamming out in this studio up in the cabin, in like this cabin in the woods, and Getty Lee's going crazy, Neil Peart's going crazy on the drums, Alex Lyson going crazy on guitar. You know, there's separate parts of the song where Alex Lyson is going crazy on the guitar, and then at one point, Neil Peart has one of the best drum solos you'll ever hear, and it is just one of the best songs Am I, it is one of my favorite songs. It is one of the best songs out there. It is a classic rock and roll tune. And not to keep you holding any longer, here is Rush's Tom Sawyer. moving pictures for rush was a, a change of scenery um, Getty Lee and Alex Liveson went to more of a synthesizers and more of a keyboard outlook even though Alex Liveson wasn't the hugest proponent of that he went along with Getty Lee they compromised and stuck with that for a couple of years throughout their music uh, releasing albums still going cold and platinum just not really touring that much Uh, The band went back to their guitar roots back in 1989 with their album Presto, uh, again in 1993 with Counterparts and 1996 Test for Echo, went back to more of the traditional guitar rock and roll roots. But in 1997, the band had to take a brief pause as Neil Peart, his daughter, passed away in a car accident and his wife passing away from cancer just a year later. Uh, Neil Peart definitely needed the time to unwind and really find himself again. He went to South America for a very long motorcycle trip, just was riding his motorcycle. It was one of his favorite things to do, just relaxing, staying in random hotels, reading books. Not being recognized by anybody was a huge thing to him. He was a quieter guy, a shyer person, didn't really like being recognized. He was able to just relax by himself. Uh, The band took a five-year hiatus, uh, but in 2001, Neil Peart realized that He needed the music back into his life he needed to start drumming again he needed to be with his best friends and so in 2002 rush came back and released their latest album vapor trails Uh, it was the first time that rush did not use a synthesizer organ or any keyboard on an album it was just their regular rock and roll roots Uh, The band kept releasing music. They released Feedback, a studio EP, in June of 2004. They kept releasing music, uh, Snakes and Arrows, in 2007, and their final studio album, Clockwork Angels, in 2012. Rush began their final ever career tour in 2015, with their final concert ever being on August 15, 2015. Uh, But I'm going to play you a song from their 40th anniversary tour from the Air Canada Center in Toronto, Canada in June of 2015. Here is Closer to the Heart live. We'd
2: like to move to an album right
1: now called Farewell to Kings. A pretty little number.
0: song i'll play for you i'm gonna play limelight live from a tour in 1981 the yyz tour that rush had peak rush content right here here is limelight live
1: we'd like to do something for you now from our moving pictures album this is living in the limelight
0: though Rush, even though they were a band and they were plenty busy in their lives, they still had other things they pursued as Neil Peart was an author, you know, when he was gone away on his motorcycle trips, he got into writing as well. He has wrote seven books in his life. Uh, Two of the books were about his motorcycle trips that he took. Another one is about his wife and his daughter uh, putting his life back together. Also had some books about the band's private life as they were a very you know, I wouldn't say secluded group, but they weren't open to the public in a way where they let everyone into their lives. They didn't give every single detail about themselves. They liked to be behind the curtain a little bit. So those books were, you know, the way for people to get into the behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, Getty Lee avid baseball lover. I think a lot of people know that about him Uh, at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. All the autographed baseballs in there are actually donated by Getty Lee. Just a huge fun fact about him. He's a huge baseball card collector. Just loves the game of baseball. Uh, Unfortunately, the band did lose Neil Peart in 2020 on January 7th uh, as he battled an aggressive form of brain cancer. He kept it to himself mostly. Only family and friends really knew about it. Uh, was very. It was a very shocking development when it did happen. It was shocking news to the rock and roll community and the rock and roll world. It was something that was blindsiding almost. No one was really expecting it. Uh, and Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee have both said that, uh, you know, the day that uh, Neil Peart died, that they would never perform live again. They wouldn't be able to do it without him. And they are totally fine with never making music and just being... Content with where they are at, they enjoy uh, the old times that they have, and they always look back on and are fond of it. And uh, to commemorate Neil Peart, they are just letting it be. As Neil Peart was one of the greatest drummers of all time, people will say that. I mean, anybody you ask, they'll say that Neil Peart is up there in the rock and roll world of drumming, Uh, same as Geddy Lee on the bass. He was such a great bass player, and Alex Liveson as well is one of the greater guitar players that people don't really talk about. He was really, really good at what he did. Uh, You know, kind of just some final thoughts on the band. You know, people and critics, critics alike, were not the hugest fans of the band. For whatever reason, they just really did not enjoy listening to Rush. But, I mean, a crazy fact about the band is that the band sold the most, the third most consecutive gold or platinum studio albums behind the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I think when you're in a conversation with those two bands, that is definitely something special. Rush was officially inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013 after a long-awaited time. Uh, when Alex Lifeson went up to give the, the uh, speech up on stage, he only said three words. All he said was blah, blah, blah. He didn't really want to care to give a speech at all. He knew that Rush deserved it, and they went up there and gave a great performance. He said he would rather... Be tongue-in-cheeky than thanking your lawyer or your accountant. So just some classic humor from Alex Lives in there. Um, Just kind of some final thoughts as we wrap up this first episode of Time Travel Rock. Uh, I've always loved listening to Rush, and I still do. Probably once a week, I try to at least throw some of their music on. As weird as it is, sometimes I'll listen to it when I'm working out. And as I'm working out, I have to catch myself not playing along the guitar or banging the drums when I am sitting there in between sets as everyone probably looks at me like the weirdo that I am. But nonetheless, one of the most fun rock bands to listen to, they are just, people didn't like them for whatever reason, and it was always one of those things where you love them or you hate them, and I will always be on the firm belief that I love Rush, and I am totally fine with that. And I hope after listening to this that you will give them a chance, maybe listen to some of their music. So thank you very much for listening. This has been Jackson Reddick on Time Travel Rock here on 90.3 You Have a good rest of your day.